0: What are you looking forward to in your spiritual life in 2013? Often we get asked the question, don't we? What uh, what are we looking forward to in 2013? But I'm going to ask the question, What are you looking forward to in your spiritual life in 2013? So I'm just going to give you a couple of seconds, if you haven't heard this question yet, uh, haven't thought about this question yet, and then I'm going to come around and I'm going to ask a couple of you to share that with all of us. Uh, if you really don't want to share that, then you can just go as I'm walking towards you. Uh, what are you looking forward to in your spiritual life for 2013? Is this one on? Beautiful. Alright. What are you looking forward to in your spiritual life for 2013? Matt Harper, you have me sitting in the front row. <laughs> Well, I knew you wouldn't. But you don't open your email, mate. So that doesn't matter. Um, I thought, yeah, have you got an iPhone now? You can get it at work, mate. You can have it any time. You can all be there. <laughs> Matthew, what are you looking forward to in your spiritual life in 2013? I think, with the time I've got at the moment, I think for me, I'd like to hand things over to God before I try and solve it myself. I think particularly for myself, I like to try and sort things out, I like to organise things, I like to have it running my way and then I go, thank you Lord, um, I'll now hand it over to you. Instead of perhaps saying, Lord, I want to give this to you, show me, guide me, how to lead my family, how to lead work, how to juggle everything and Lord, yeah, show me the way to do it. Good option mate, good option. I'm going to ask you about that in a few weeks time. Okay. Karen Mormon.
1: Um, I did get your email and I gave this a little bit of thought.
0: Thought and, you might have. <laughs>
1: um, <laughs> and I think that this year, I, I think that I, um, I'm going to be a little bit selfish in my spiritual walk. And um, we've had a busy couple of years and every year is different. But I think this year I will be a little bit more selfish and I would like to... Um, Have more time to read and uh, more time to. I'm really looking forward to finishing Revelations and picking that to pieces. And I found last term that was um, very, you know, really challenging and a good learning, um, good learning, good book to learn from and to um, contemplate. So I'm looking forward to that. And in my selfishness, I mean that (coughs) through my reading and prayer time, It's not just for pure selfishness, but to better equip myself so that I'll be able to um, be a better witness, be able to speak out better. Yeah.
0: Excellent. Now everyone's heard this, so you can ask them these questions later, can't you? What's happening? Uh, Derek, notice it's the people on the outside lines that are getting nailed here, aren't they? So, uh, yeah, a few people are starting to move. I haven't got to that side yet. I'm making my way over. Uh, Thanks, Paul. (laughs) <laughs> I did get your email, um, Yes, I had to think about it actually. Look, uh, uh, Sue and I were travelling back from home um, last night and we were listening to a wonderful song called uh, God's Grace Amazes Me, Still Amazes Me and I think for me, uh, understanding of uh, uh, just how much God's grace has dealt with uh, everything in our lives and understanding that better is something I'd, I'd really like to uh, aim for yeah. in 2013. Because God has an amazing grace. Yeah. Brilliant. Look out, Amy. <laughs> <laughs> I saw Luke sweating. I thought I'll pass him.
1: <laughs> um, Yeah, that was just really interesting what Derek said because I think um, I'm on a similar pathway. I think for me, often one of my biggest sins is I think that I can do more and um, work my way into being more loved by God and just that understanding that there's nothing that I can do more for him to love me more and just know that grace and know his love for me and just, um, I guess, um, fall into that love and and then out of that... um, be compelled to um, show that love to others rather than working um, for it. So that's something I need to be challenged by.
0: Excellent. Look out. Some of them are panicking along this corner here. I should have gone for Mick, but I thought I'd go back to Dave. <laughs> I didn't get away with that quick enough. I should have ran that one. For me, I suppose it's um, a challenge that I think most of us have, but that's balancing our work and our family and our church. I find there's three different sectors that we really need to concentrate on, and and God knows we've got to deal with all of those and balance those well. So that we, I think, to keep, for me, it's to keep Christ in in my focus um, what is more important. So, you know, every time there's a decision made at work or at home, or in the church, it's not my decision, it's what Christ wants, not what I want. Um so yeah, I think I think that's where I'd like to be heading <laughs> this year. Thanks, Dave. The balance, life balance is always tricky. Lauren, you weren't here, but it's great to have you back. Isn't it good to see Lauren?
1: Yeah.
0: And Lauren's got a really big thing happening this year. Uh, she's moving away, going to a new uni. But the question is not that. It's what are you looking forward to in your spiritual life this year, Lauren? <laughs> um,
1: yeah, I guess we moving away. Just, um, just being really excited about where God's going to lead me and who the people are that will be in my life and finding a new church and um, the new challenges and experiences that will um, happen. And yeah, just being really excited about yeah, where God leads me.
0: Yeah. It's pretty exciting taking those steps out, isn't it? And one more. Lachlan the Kendricks here. <laughs> how nice is it to see him? Wow, I get to see him four times a year. It's great. It's wonderful to see Alexander, how about you, mate? What are you looking forward to in your spiritual growth this year? <laughs> it's true. Um, what am I looking forward to? I think... I'm looking forward to um, focusing, um, particularly being in step with the Spirit, in understanding where um, God's calling me to go to and where he's leading me to do ministry and to do life um, with people and with hopefully a community where I can love and serve wherever that is at the moment. So. Thanks, mate. Alexander's heading off this year. We'll pray for him later on. He's actually going to preach next week, so I look forward to that. Um, thanks, everyone. It's a challenge, isn't it, to think about what, is, uh, what are we looking forward to this year in our spiritual growth. It's a challenge to thinking about what direction we're taking. and it's great to be thinking about that because I think sometimes we run into the year, and suddenly it's, the year's gone, and we've done all these plans. We've got our business plan, we've got our family plan, we've got our work plan, we've got our study plan got all these other plans sorted out, but we actually sat down and thought about what God wants with us this year, the direction that God wants to take us, what's he got in store for us. And so it's good for us to be thinking about that individually, but it's good for us to be thinking about that corporately together as well. And so over the last, sort of to the end of each year, I tend to start thinking and praying about uh, what's God want us to do with us in the next year, what's his plan for us and what's he doing with us. And as I was sitting down and praying through that and thinking through that, uh, where does God want to lead us together in 2013? Uh, it wasn't particularly a Bible passage that jumped to my head, but it was actually a song I was listening to at the end of last year that really grabbed me and uh, took me and I thought, maybe this is what God wants to do with us in 2013. It's a song by Chris Tomlin called Awakening. We can actually play it a little bit later, but not just at the moment. But in it, it's a, that Chris sings a song about awakening our lives, our souls, to what God's doing in the world. Awakening us to see this world the way that God sees this world. And awakening within us so that when we're taking out and having a look around here, that we're not just looking through our eyes, we're not just looking through the world's eyes and what the world tells us about. But we start to see the world through God's eyes, how he sees the world. And so that's our theme for this year. We're going to be thinking about how do we see this world through God's eyes. How does God see the world so that we see it like him? And I think as we get to see this world as God sees the world, then it's going to transform us, isn't it? It's going to change us. As I sit back and start thinking about the world the way God sees, it, it's going to change me. As you start to do that, as we start to do that, and this prayer isn't just for us individually, but it's for our community. It's an awakening just not in our own souls, not just in our souls corporately, but our community souls to see the world the way God sees the world. And if God does that and opens that up, that's going to be fantastic, isn't it? That's going to be amazing to see this world the way that God sees it. Uh, Because we all actually have a world view. I don't know whether you know that or have ever thought about it, but we all actually have a world view. Uh, A world view is like the lens by which we see the world through. Uh, It's a lens by which we see it, but then it determines how we live and what we do. And world views are everywhere. And different people have world views, and the world around us has a whole lot of them. And we probably don't realise it, but those worldviews have probably impacted us and influenced us in how we see the world. But ultimately what God desires for us is to have a godly worldview, His worldview of the world. Uh, now some of the, the worldviews that are around that you may have heard of or may not have heard of uh, but impact us, uh, one of them is secularism or modernism. Uh, secularism modern, modernism says that science rules And that if you can only prove it, then it happens and it works out, then it's okay. Uh, Modernism says that if you can get as far as you can with what you can, then that's it. Uh, The one with the most toys wins is almost a phrase that would set apart modernists or secularists. And I can guarantee you that everyone sitting here this morning is impacted by that. That in one sense, that is probably our dominant world view. Because that's what we've grown up with. Our kids who are coming through, uh, they're slightly on the verge out of that, which I'll talk about in a moment. But that impacts us. You think about it. You think about what every television program ad tells you. It's about getting the most. It's about having the most toys. It's about having all these things. Every television program, it's all about facts, science. It's all proven. David Attenborough last night, Uh, about the world. They're great pictures, aren't they? You see the phenomenal creation out there. But he puts it all down to this plus this plus this equals this. It's a modernist view that we have. And we've been impacted by it. And our Christianity has been impacted by it. Because a lot of our Christianity is about if you've got this plus this plus this it equals this. We don't put the spirit in there very often. Or we don't think outside the realm that God could work in miracles because we have a modernist point of view. Uh, What do we do with our money? We buy cars and houses and build up our things here and now because we have a modernist view, a secularist view of the world. And as Christians, we tend to say, well, that's okay because we've got to do this, 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 on whatever excuse we have. Now, it's not all bad with modernists, by the way. It's got to have a certain amount of scientific work, and Christianity isn't just airy-fairy. It's a lot of truth and fact within it. But that's not the dominant worldview of God. Uh, the one other you might have heard you hear spoken about in the world these days is postmodernism. That is that there is no truth, truth is as you make it. Uh, it's, everything's relative, and truth is true for you, but a name might be true for me, and that's okay. And it just works that way. Uh, our education system is starting to head down that path. Our education system has been either modernist or humanist. In the past, it's starting to move to postmodernism now. So that when you go and talk about things, well, you know, we discuss stuff, we work stuff out. You can actually come to a scenario, you can work it all out and you can come to a truth for you and you can come for a truth for you but there's no truth down the middle that we all hold to. Now that's impacted all of us as well, hasn't it? Because we suddenly see things on the edge of Christianity and we suddenly move things around and so we can actually do the whole postmodern thing with Christianity as well. Uh, maybe God's truth isn't the whole truth, the only truth. Maybe there's a bit of a side angle here and a bit of a side angle here. Maybe we can fudge the edges a little bit. It impacts us now too, doesn't it? And the other big one that impacts us is humanism. Uh, that is the big basis for our educational system. I was a PE teacher. I went through the whole education system. It's all about humanism. The human being is the be-all and the end-all of everything. Everything. That is where it all starts and that is where it all finishes and that's who we work on. Uh, It has no concept of sin. It has no concept of a broken world. It has no concept of that sort of thing, of a God. It's all about the human. And that has impacted us because we've all gone through our education system. There's others as well. There's feminism. uh, There's New Age as well. But all these worldviews have impacted every one of us in certain ways. And if you sit down sometime and take a time to think through why you believe what you do and why you do what you do and how you live out your life, just have a think which part of those different ones have impacted why you make those decisions. Because that's the worldview that you have. It's been impacted by all these different ones. Well, what I'm hoping and what I'm praying for us as a congregation is that we... Put all those worldviews over here and say, well, there's elements that can be positive about that, but we want God's worldview. We want to look at this world the way that God sees this world. We want to come and see it through His eyes. We want to come and have the passion that He has. We want to come and have the desires that He has. We want to have the priorities that He has. We want to see how we live the way that He desires us to live, not by all these other things that have impacted us. We want to have awakening of our souls to see the world the way that God sees the world. I don't know, a number of years ago I went to the optometrist about three years ago. Maybe a bit less than that. I went to the optometrist. Uh, I was in my early 40s, so I'm in that period of time when you're pretty fragile about what your age is. Uh, And so I go to the optometrist because I've been getting headaches and things haven't been quite looking the same. Uh, You know, you get blurry stuff and you get on the screen and you think, well, what's going on there? Uh, so I thought, well, people told me to go to the optometrist, it'll fix all your problems. So those who have been to optometrists know what happened. So I went to the optometrist, I sat down, he asked me what my age, he asked me all the issues that I had, he asked the problems I had. He says, well, mate, that's it, that's the end, that's what's it. It's going to finish now. From now on, you're going to need glasses. Every year you're going to have to come back, you're going to have to get glasses, you're going to get stronger and stronger and stronger. From this age on, it's all downhill, that's the end, all over. Don't go to optometrist if you want to feel good about life. (laughs) And so I sat there, and I thought, at 42 or whatever it was, and I'm going to the optometrist, he just told me this. I'm thinking, oh, man, this is no good, is it? Well, I got back at him. I haven't been to an optometrist for two and a half years now, (laughs) okay? I can't read my watch, and I'm about to buy a Bible that's got larger print, but I'm not going back to him because I'm not going to let him win. But... Uh, after that, and I sat down, and he says you're all gone. He starts to put a machine on you, doesn't he? I don't know if you've seen it. He puts this machine down, and uh, he puts this machine down, and then he goes through, and he shows you just how bad your eyes are, but the machine shows that, uh, and then what he does, he starts putting these lenses in there, and then he finds a lens that's, that's an A. Look at that. I can see that. And you start to see, and so he goes to that point, and then he does a little bit of refining. He refines it and he tweaks it and then you look through and you go wow, I can see clearly. And you start to feel a little bit better about yourself even though you know you're on the your way down. But you feel a little bit better because you can see clearly. Uh, so there's three things that the optometrist does to you to help you see clearly and I think God gives us three gifts to help us see him clearly and see the world clearly. So that first machine that comes down that analyzes and sees what's going on, I think is God's Word. He gives us this. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, if they click that up for you. The machine to see clearly. He says, All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for training and teaching and correcting and training in righteousness so that the man and the person of God may be fully equipped to serve Him. If we want to know or if we want to see the world the way that God sees the world, then don't just head down to the beach and look out at the sea. Don't just think, I can paddle through life and just pray. Don't think, if I just live a nice life, that you're going to see it. Because God hasn't left us to that, to see him and to understand him. He has given us this. This is his machine that helps us see him to see clearly. This is the first thing that comes in front of us. This is God's Word. It is all Scripture. God breathed. And if we want to see the world the way that God sees the world, we've got to get into this. It doesn't work by osmosis, guys. It just doesn't by sitting here and think, Church, somehow I'm going to turn out and I'm going to see the world the way God sees it. Don't get me wrong, it's going to be helpful. But unless we're into this, then we're not going to see it. This is God's great gift to us, that machine that comes in and shows us and highlights the fact that we have stuffed up, that we do sin, that we do need a saviour, that the world isn't the way it should be, that there is a saviour, that God has got a plan and God has an end. And God desires us to be part of that. And he wants us to know him. He's given us the machine to do that and that's his word, the Bible. And he's given us a lens, Is his second gift that he's given us And the lens that he has given us is Jesus. Jesus is the one who shows us clearly who God is. I'm going to talk a little bit more about what else Jesus does for us. But Jesus shows us who God is. If we want to know God, if we want to see the world the way that God sees the world, then we need to look to Jesus. John 14 verse 6 and 7 says this. Hopefully. Click down, guys. Oh, see, I need glasses, don't I? That optometrist is right, isn't he? Oh, I thought I was doing all right. I'm going bad. Mate, I'm, that's it, all right, game over, all finished. Now, John 14, Lisa says, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then he says, if you really knew me, you would know my Father as well if from now on you do know him and have seen him. What he's saying, if you see Jesus, you see God. If you look at Jesus, you are looking at God. If you want to know what the world looks like through God's eyes, look at Jesus. See it through his eyes. He goes on and says, I and the Father are one. If we want to see the world the way that God sees the world, we need to get into this because this points us to Jesus. This takes us to Jesus because Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus is how we see the Father. Jesus is how we know the Father. Jesus is how we can see the world the way he wants us to see it. Again, it doesn't work by osmosis, guys. It doesn't work by the fact that we're just sitting around chatting about Jesus. It works by getting into this and seeing Jesus and talking about that through this. He has given us the machine. He has given us the Bible. He has given us the lens. He has given us Jesus and He has fine-tuning that through His Spirit within us. I can't remember this one off the top of my head so I have to read it with you. John 16. Jesus said the promised Holy Spirit is coming and he's talking specifically to his disciples here but it runs to us as well. It says I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear but when he, the spirit of truth, that's a he, when when the spirit comes to live within us, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the spirit will take you Take from what is mine and make it known to you. The Spirit will refine what God is. The Spirit will refine us to what Jesus says. The Spirit will refine us so we understand it and see it. And the Spirit only leads us to what Jesus says. The Spirit will not take us in any other direction than what Jesus says. No, he doesn't say his own stuff. The Spirit just doesn't speak by himself. The Spirit brings his word, God's word. Jesus' word, and refines it and brings us to us so we can understand it. It will take us to Jesus. It will focus us in on Jesus. It will show us who Jesus is because Jesus chose us the Father. If we want to see what the world looks like through God's eyes, we have this, the Bible. We have Jesus, the lens, and we have the Holy Spirit who refines us and brings us that together, and reveals that truth to us. Far better than an optometrist machine, isn't it? How good is God? Three amazing gifts He gives us to see the world the way that He sees it. And not only does that, but just quickly can I say there are three things I want to highlight about what that says. And if we want to see the world the way that God sees it, these are three things that will just help us on that track. And the first one is this. That when we see the world that God sees it, we see that it is His world. Genesis chapter 1, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Everything that we see, everything that we have is His. Nothing out there, nothing in here. Nothing is anything but His. Think about that. Matt said, I need to get up in the morning and I need to be thinking about it and offering it to God and what He wants Him to do because it's His. It's not Matt's. Matt's day isn't His. It's God's day. Our gifts and our talents aren't ours. They're His. He's given them to us to serve Him. Yes, but they are His first and foremost. This world that we have around us is His. Now think about that. That's got to drive our worldview, doesn't it? That's got to drive the way that we live. Nothing, nothing isn't His. I don't know about you, but I spend a whole lot of time planning uh, different things that I do, the things that I have, where I'm going, what I'm doing. Uh, the things I want to be, where I want to be in the future, what I want to do with my mortgage, what I want to do with my cars, what I want to do with my career, where I want to be, what I want to do. I've got all set out, the holidays, blah, blah, blah. It's all there. All right to plan, Paul. But in the end, it's his. It's not mine. I need to sit back, don't I? We need to sit back and say, Lord, it is all yours. Everything is yours. What do you desire for me to do with it? Not what do I desire, what do you desire, Lord? It's His and His alone. That's going to help us see the world the way He sees it, isn't it? It's His. And this world is a world that He loves. John 3.16, great verse, isn't it? You've heard it many, many times. That God so loved the world that He gave us His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall have eternal life. I don't know, it's it's an amazing thing just to contemplate that everything is his but then have a contemplate that he loves everything as well. That he loves this world. That he desires this world. That he loves not just the world people-wise but the whole world. That world encompasses everything. That he loves it and he loves it so much that he gave up his most precious not a ring He gave up Jesus for us, for the world, to restore the world. If you read Romans 8, go home and read Romans 8. It's got to be one of the most fantastic passages in the Bible because what it tells us is that God loved us so much that he has brought us into his family, that we have no condemnation, that Jesus' death on the cross has removed every ounce of separation between us and God. We are now in his family and he desires us to live in that family but the world also groans for Jesus. This world is broken and it needs Jesus to restore it because God wants to restore this world. He wants to bring it back and He wants us to live that way and He wants to show that love to the rest of the world. The end of Romans 8 says, how deep and how wide and how long and how high is the love of God in Jesus. He loves this world. Do you love it? By that I mean you love it the way that God loves it? In his desire that the world comes to know him and love him. Is that your passion? Is that your passion for those people who live around you? For our community here at Evanshead, Wardell, Woodburn, Broadie, Corakai, the whole Northern Rivers. Is our passion God's passion for this world, for this area? Because his passion for this area is that they know him and love him. He wants them to love him. that he's given him Jesus. Do you love the people around you the way that Jesus loves the people around you, that he died for them? Do you desire for the people around you to come and know Jesus and love him? Is that what drives you? Because that's what drives God. His love for the world. In the song in a minute we're going to play, he says, Awakening our heart, our soul to love this world the way that God loves this world. It's His. He loves this world and He desires us to love in this world. Uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 27 says this. Uh, Jesus asks the question, what's life all about? And He answers very clearly. He says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul and mind, and love your neighbour as yourself. He's made it. He loves us, loves us, loves it. And he desires us to love him and one another. He desires us to truly love one another. Not just in words, but in deeds, in actions. If we see the world that God, the way God sees the world, then that's what we're going to see. He has gifted us amazingly with three ways to do that. He's given us His Word. He's given us Jesus. He's given us the Spirit. And within that, He shows us through His Word that it's His world, that He loves this world, and He desires us to love one another within it. That's how we see the world, the way that God sees the world. Is that the way you see it? Well, I desire that is going to be the way that we see it. This year we're going to be thinking about that. We're going to be praying about that. We're going to be encouraging one another in that. We're going to look at revelations in the next couple of weeks and we're going to see how God sees the world and what's happening around it and the spiritual realm around that as well. We're then going to do purpose-driven life. We're going to come back. We did that 10 year, eight years ago. It's this 10-year anniversary. Come back to see purpose-driven life, to see how God desires us to live for Him. And we're going to look at Job and see how the big picture again about how God sees this world in a sinful, broken state, but yet he's in control of all of it. And at the end of the year, I don't know yet, but we're going to wait and see what God operates for us. That's what we're going to do is we look to see this world the way that God sees this world.